The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Uh, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. <coughs> I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, Namflange, I'll hear from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Starting a brand new series today, we also want to just encourage you to sign up for Grace in the Marketplace. Uh, Grace in the Marketplace is not just for uh, uh, entrepreneurs, it's for everybody who is doing something. God has given all of us gifts and talents that we can use to change our world. Amen. Amen. And when you come to this conference, you know, guys like Billy and Ashley are going to help you uh, navigate your gift so you can maximize while you're here on the earth. Amen. Today we're starting a brand new series talking about how to live a life of faith. And I like to call this life a life full of victories. Say that after me. A life full of victories. In other words, a life of winning. How many of you would like to live a life of winning? God's will for you and me is to live a life of winning. And uh, that's what the Bible actually says in 1 John chapter number 5 verse 4. It says this is the victory that overcomes the world and it tells us what that victory is. He says our faith. He says faith is the victory that bring is the is the victory that we tap into five verse four. Uh, one John five uh, verse four. Amen. We need someone else to sit there and you know do the verses. <laughs> Amen. One John five verse four. He says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is that victory? Our faith. So faith brings victory. Amen. In fact, let's read the same verse in the New Living Translation. I want you to see this uh, in the New Living Translation. It says, for every, someone say every. every. Notice, this is not for the select few. You know, I grew up thinking faith was for the select few. I thought the anointing was for the select few. Uh, But the Bible seems to use words like every. It uses words like whosoever. Someone shout, I'm a whosoever. You know, you are part of the game plan. He says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. And he tells us how we achieve this victory. He says, we achieve this victory through our faith. Amen? Amen. So victory seems to be connected to faith. And, you know, I just feel in this season, God wants to remind all of us to operate in faith. Because faith is so interesting. It is kind of like, you know, uh, uh, Samson operating in the anointing. And uh, he gets his hair cut off. You remember the story? And he wakes up. The Bible says he shook himself trying to act in the same anointing. But the anointing had departed. That's what happens sometimes to faith. You can be so far in faith, operating in faith. And you get out of it and you won't even know it. 
And that's why we need to uh, remind each other about living this life of victory and living uh, in our faith. Amen? I said amen. amen. It is vitally important to get stirred up to live a life of faith again. Faith in what, Pastor T, you may say? Faith in the victory that Jesus accomplished for us in the cross. So Jesus accomplished this victory for us. He accomplished the victory in our uh, provision. He accomplished the victory in our uh, divine health and healing. He accomplished the victory uh, in our righteous living. Uh, he accomplished the victory uh, to give us life. And, and, and not death. And guess what? We enforce this victory personally to our own lives through faith. And it's so sad that they didn't tell me this early on in my Christian walk. Man, they were busy focused on the length of my jeans. Back in the 90s, we used to wear baggy, baggy jeans. They were focused on how big my jeans were and trying to regulate jeans and skirts. Instead of telling me how to live a life of victory through faith. Because this is available for every single child of God. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. It says in Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. And it says in Hebrews 10 verse 38, the just shall live by faith. In other words, Faith is what oxygen is to your natural life. It is what keeps the Christian life livable. It is faith. Amen? And we're going to go to the most famous, uh, one of the most famous verses uh, on faith uh, this morning, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1. But before we read verse 1, let's read verse 6. So faith is a way of life. Notice it didn't say the just shall go to faith when they are in trouble. It says the just shall live by faith. In other words, the just shall be sustained by faith. And this is why we say faith is the currency in the kingdom of God. It is the sustaining power of God that he has given to us so we can live uh, and, and walk this Christian life and be successful at it. Amen? It says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is what? Impossible. It doesn't matter what comes afterwards. Without faith, I can guarantee you, life will be impossible. Relationships will be impossible. Uh, finances will be impossible without faith. Amen? Amen? He says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him, to please God. So if we don't have faith, God is not pleased. And I can guarantee you, if the man is not pleased, you cannot trick him into answering a prayer. Hallelujah. It says without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, listen, you don't have to come to God. And I've had to tell uh, a few people that you don't have to come to God. You know, atheists and uh, uh, agnostics, people who just don't want to come to God. And this scripture is evidence that you don't have to come to God because there is a qualifier there. But if you decide to come to God, he who comes to God, what's the next word? Must. If you decide you're going to come to God, then this that he's about to tell you becomes a divine imperative. He who comes to God must believe that he is. And the second thing he must believe is that God is a rewarder, not a punisher. Yep. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
and that you must believe it, that God has your best interests. You must believe, number one, in the existence of God, and number two, that God is your best interest. In fact, that's the only way you operate in faith. The Bible says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth much, but faith which works by love. The only fuel for your faith is love. What is that? Agape. What is that? Knowing that God loves you. The only way you can operate in faith is to know that God loves you. It is to know that God wants you to have that job more than you want to have it. It is to know that God wants you healed more than you want to be healed. See, a lot of people get tripped up because they think God is indifferent. They think God is reluctant, just sitting in heaven, you know, minding his own business. And they have to convince him. In fact, a lot of people think prayer is an adventure to try and convince a reluctant God to work on their behalf. They don't realize God has already moved on their behalf. Faith is keeping up with God. Faith is catching up with what God has already done by grace. Faith is not trying to convince God. Faith does not move God. Faith moves you. (laughs) And it moves mountains. Because God has already moved by grace. God didn't need prayer to think about saving you from sin. He didn't need prayer to come up with a prosperity provision plan. He didn't need our convincing. He did it out of his love. And when we have that revelation of how much God loves us, the Bible says he knows the very number of hair on your head. And hair is one of the most consistently changing things on your body. You're either losing it, you know. (laughs) And I'm trying to keep a hairline. They said you must comb your hair forwards. I've been doing that for two years now, but it keeps receding. Hair is one of the things that's most consistently changing on your body, and yet God keeps up, keeps up with it. He knows the very number of hair. What does that mean? That means God pays clothes, and watch this, special attention to you. Amen. You don't need to convince him. If he knows the very number of hair on your head, I can guarantee you, he knows when the rent is due. Amen? Amen. He knows when your body needs healing. He knows all of that. And faith is when you realize that God is for me and not against me. Amen? So he says, he who comes to God must believe that God is, and he must also believe that he is a rewarder of they that diligently seek him. Let's go now to Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. So next week, we're going to be talking about how you can grow your faith muscles. Because faith is like a muscle. You know, know, as a man that goes to the gym, the more you use your faith, the bigger the biceps. You know, when you stop using it, You know, even though, um, you know, my little girls have the same number of muscles uh, that I have in my body, the same number, the same genetic makeup. And even though they have everything that I have, they cannot bench press 120 kgs. (laughs) But I can. Hallelujah. (laughs) Man, I just had to throw that one in there. I can bench press it. You know why? Because I've been using my muscles longer than they have. And it's the same thing. 
you walk into a place and someone can believe God for big things and you're wondering how did they get there? They've been consistently using their faith over a long period of time for small things. And cumulatively, now, because they have been exercising their faith muscles, they can begin to do the big things. Amen? So this is why you need to live a life of faith. What do I mean by that? You need to exercise your faith every single day. You need to challenge yourself to step into faith every single day. Amen? Amen? And sometimes there are life uh, uh, circumstances that want to get us out of faith into the senses. You know, every Sunday we end with this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Every life, life will present you with, with opportunities for you to step into faith and exercise your faith. Amen. Amen. And you have to take those opportunities, embrace them, and believe God. I remember uh, three weeks ago, as we were getting, as I was getting ready to travel, we were sitting with our elders and discussing, you know, the the trip, and uh, we started talking about the travel allowance because it's so little. You know why? Because I'm frugal. You know, I I don't I don't I don't like paying money for nothing. You know. (laughs) So I said, you know what? We're not going to increase that. And I say these words, but God will take care of me. Amen. I hadn't seen the provision, but I knew this is another opportunity for me to exercise my faith. Amen. And I can guarantee you, before I left, uh, someone gave me uh, $400. And then when I landed in Colorado, someone invited me for dinner. And at the end of dinner, uh, they gave me an envelope with a card and it had $300 uh, US dollars in it. What am I doing? I'm living by faith. And then I went over to Los Angeles, and there's a couple in Los Angeles that listened to all our sermons. Uh, They actually said, you know, Pastor T, we are a satellite church in Los Angeles. When we went out for dinner, and they gave me an envelope, and it had a little over a thousand U.S. dollars. What's that? That's faith. Would you like to take me out for dinner? Anybody? (laughs) Man. I was like, this is faith. And faith will take care of you. But listen, if I had taken that travel allowance, that's all I was going to get, I believe. But because I challenged my faith and decided I was going to live by faith and not by what I can have in my account using my physical uh, 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 coordination or whatever, guess what? I far exceeded what I could have received. And here's the deal. When God gives it to you, he's given it to you so that you could be a ble- you can be a blessing. Now I'm able to give to that conference that I was attending. Now I'm able to partner with that conference through faith. Amen? Amen. So faith will take care of you. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God and not money. Let us go to John chapter number 6 before we read Hebrews 11, verse 1. John, chapter number 6. We're going to read from verse 5 to 12 in the New King James Bible. It says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude. A what? A great multitude. Coming towards him. And he said to Philip, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? He's trying to uh, 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 teach Philip that the currency of the kingdom of God is faith and not money. And he said to Philip, Philip, where shall we buy the bread that these may eat? But this he said to what? To test him. For he himself 
knew what he would do. Jesus was inviting him on this miracle. He wants uh, Philip to participate in this miracle of feeding the 5,000. Amen? And watch what happens in uh, verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. Now, 200 denarii is a lot of money. It's a half year's uh, worth of wages. I don't know how much you earn, but just by half. That's a lot of money. Amen? And th- that's 200 denarii. And here, Philip is saying, a half year worth's wage is not enough to buy bread to feed the 5,000. What does that mean? That means God's vision is always bigger than what you can get monetarily. Even if you have a billion in your account, God's vision is way bigger than one billion. He said, man, we have a lot of money, but the vision is greater than the money that we have in our account. Amen? 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may eat how much? Just a little. He's saying, man, just the crumbs. Because he's thinking limitation. He's thinking scarcity. So he's thinking even if we buy this bread, we can't feed them a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, but there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Remember Zachariah 4.10? Do not despise the day of small. You see, here's what you do with little things. You take them, and that's the principle of the tithe. Every time you have a little something, you take it and put it in God's hand. Remember what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter number 4. He said, Moses, I want you to go and deliver the children of Israel. And Moses said, I have nothing. And you know what the Lord said? He said, what do you have in your hand? He says, I have a little stick. He said, give it to me. And he gave it to the Lord. And the Bible says in Exodus 4.20, when Moses was getting ready to go and visit Pharaoh to deliver the children of Israel, he says, Moses took the rod of God. See, when you take the little that you have and give it to God, it's no longer your rod. It's now the rod of God. And with the rod of God, you can deliver a whole nation. With the rod of God, you can strike the rock and water will come gushing out. With the rod of God, you can split the Red Sea. But if you keep it to yourself, it will remain your stick. Man, give it up. Hunt your neighbor and say, give it up. Just give it up. Remember the widow woman with a little bit of oil and the two sons were about to go into slavery? What do you have? A little bit of oil. Give it to me. Gave it to the, uh, to the prophet and he said, now go and borrow vessels. And man, she started an oil business because yeah. that little bit would not stop pouring into bigger vessels. Why? She gave it to God. Amen. And here, he doesn't understand the principle. Andrew, he does not understand the principle of taking the little you have and put it in God's hand. Yeah. And Jesus said, give it to me. The two fish and the five loaves. Now watch what happened. Make the people sit down. Make the people rest. How many of you realize that when you put it in God's hand, it's now the supernatural power of God. It's no longer your works. It is no longer you trying to make things happen. Man, when I went out for dinner, I didn't even know I was about to uh, get some money. I was just going out to hang out. But guess what? God knew. And he was doing the work. In the hearts of man. Amen. 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 
He said, make the people sit down. Make them rest. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. So he's just counting the men. Including women and children. We're looking at 10,000 people. Amen? Amen. And Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish. Now watch the next statement. As much. What, what did Peter say? We can't even give them a little, a little bit. Jesus, what did he do? He gave them as much. See, when you tap into God's economy, it goes even beyond your needs. God will take care of your wants too. As much as they wanted, he's talking about a bottomless buffet dinner. That's what he's talking about. I remember the first time I ever went to a restaurant, you know, one of the uh, 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 takeaway restaurants in America. So in America, when you buy... Uh, uh, juice or anything, you know, to drink, they just give you a cup, an empty cup. So I remember I went and I, you know, bought my meal and they gave me an empty cup. So I said to them, what's up with this? You know, I ordered some juice. And they said, no, you go to the fountain and you just take care of yourself. I said, really? (laughs) I said, really? He said, yes, you just go and pour as much as you want. I said, no, I mean two cups. He said, no, you can have ten. I said, really? He said, yes, as much as they wanted. And I went, man, and my lightning first mind was thinking, you know what? I could come back tomorrow with the same cup. (laughs) Those things happened. See, when you're raised in poverty, sometimes sometimes it shows up in the most weird places. I'm thinking, man, I don't need to buy another cup tomorrow. I was sitting there thinking, I saw this one guy came and he said, I want a large. And I'm thinking, man, you must be, you must be the dumbest person on the block. You must be so dumb. Why are you buying large? You can get small and just make trips. Until <laughs> so you get large, I'm thinking, you know. But in his mind, he's thinking, man, I'll just get large because I'm planning to have a large and I don't want to, you know, cheat the business, which is great. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's feeding them as much as they want. So everyone ate as much as they wanted without any restriction because that's what the kingdom of God will provide. But what happened to Philip? What happened to Andrew? They were looking at the vision on the basis of what they had in their account. In the natural. That's why we say we walk by faith and not by sight. What that means is we walk by what's settled in the spiritual realm and not what we can perceive with our five senses. There are two different realms uh, that are in operation at the moment, but the greater realm is called the spiritual realm. And everything you see in the natural originates from the spiritual realm. And in the spiritual realm, there are no limitations. Amen? And faith is the ability to perceive what's already settled in the spiritual realm. And convince your mind that this is a reality. Doubt is simply going with your senses. Doubt is simply saying it doesn't feel right. How many of you realize it didn't feel right that you can take two fish and five loaves and feed 5,000 people? 
Doubt says it doesn't look right. It does not add up. But faith says it is so in the spiritual realm. And if you're going to operate in the, in the faith realm, you need to be convinced of the spiritual realities that are already settled in the spiritual realm. Amen? Amen. The spiritual realities that say, by his stripes I am healed. Amen. Not the physical reality that says my body is pain. Because yeah. these two realities are competing. And whichever one you focus on wins. If you focus on the physical reality, it begins to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because the principle is whatever you focus on is magnified. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And when you focus, that's why the Bible talks about a double-minded man. It is a man who's doubling between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And he says that kind of a dude, let that man not think that you will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because this man is unstable in his ways. He's looking at both the physical and the spiritual realm. Faith is simply focusing on what the spiritual realm says. That's why the Bible says we do not look at the things that appear. Because the things that we see with these physical eyes are temporary. What that means is they are subject to change. He says we look at the things that are in the spirit because the things in the spirit are eternal. So faith is learning how to look at spiritual realities and when you do, you receive them and enforce them as reality over your physical circumstances and watch this, your physical circumstances has no choice but to change. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 1. Is this helping you? So you need faith. You need to start operating in this kind of faith and it will produce results for you. I'm telling you, it's a better, it's a better way to live. Yeah. It says the just shall live by faith. Yeah. Hebrews 11 verse 1. No, notice what it says here. It says, now faith is. Notice it didn't say faith was or faith will be. Because faith is in the present. Yeah. Faith is now. Amen? It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance means reality. Amen? It's not, faith is not a fairy tale. It's not a mystery. Faith is a reality. You know you are in faith when you know that you are in faith. He says faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence. What other words can we use for evidence? Proof. Proof. Faith is the proof of things not seen. He's saying faith is the proof of things that you cannot perceive with your physical senses. So you have, see, here's uh, how you usually book a, a, a vacation. You go on the website and you, 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 you know, you look at the dates, you look at the destination that you're trying to go to. And you make a reservation. And then they send you, you know, this is your reservation. We give you 24 hours to, you know, pay for your reservation. And uh, after you pay for your reservation, you get what is called a confirmation. And here, that's what he's talking about. 
He's saying faith is a confirmation. That's what other versions of the Bible say. Faith is not still at reservation stage. Faith is a confirmation. Faith speaks of things that are already confirmed in the spiritual realm. Now, most of you in here, if you booked a holiday and got the confirmation and you went to Oaratambu to get onto your flight so you can go to your holiday destination, if any of the you know, people that are checking you in told you that they couldn't find uh, your reservation or your confirmation, most of you in here would not pack your bags and come back home. Say, oh no, we couldn't, we didn't end up not going for that vacation. because No, most of you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something wrong with your system. Because yeah. I know Amen. the SMS that I got Amen. from my bank confirming that they already took the payment. But here's what happens. We got the SMS of the payment through what Jesus did on the cross. But when the enemy says, no, you can't get your healing, most of us pack our bags and, you know, we hang our head and we go back home. You know, I couldn't get my healing. No, this thing has already been paid for. Most of you will say, get off, get off that computer. Let me come and do it myself. Because I am getting on that flight. And I am going to my vacation. And that's the same audacity. You know why? Because you already know it. You already know that by his stripes you are healed. There's no negotiation. It's not a reservation. It's a confirmation. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Before you see it, you are in faith. And that's the awesome part. That's the greatest part. Manifestation is not even as much fun as faith. You know why? Because <laughs> while you are in the evidence not seen, you can create all kinds of limitless realities. See, going on vacation, being on vacation is not as much fun as the anticipation of going on vac- at least to me. Because before I go there, man, I can do all kinds of things with my imagination. I can ride all the slides in my imagination. When I get there, it's a different story. <laughs> but in my imagination, and this is the imagination that God has given us, that while we're in faith, man, we can receive this healing all kinds of ways. In our faith journey. You can get wild with your imagination. You know, we believe in God uh, for a building and for a property. And the faith journey is exciting. You know why? Because I can switch locations. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, we could be in Midrand. And this week, we can come to Broad Acres. And next week, we can move to Monte Cassino. But how many of you know that once it manifests, that's it? So the faith journey is filled with limitless possibilities. Because God can do it all kinds of ways. And that's the exciting part. Most people are looking forward to the, you know, to the birth. Man, when my wife was pregnant, man, we were excited. We were excited. We were, when the child was born, I was excited, but it felt like, oh, wow, okay, oh, really? That's it? I mean, because, you know, we went into theater and took like 10 minutes and the baby came out and I held it. And, you know, I was excited for about 30 minutes. But, you know, after 35 minutes, you're like, okay, this is work. (laughs) This is real work. Amen. And it's, it's work for a long time. 
But guess what? When the baby was in the stomach, we were getting excited. It's a faith journey. Who is she going to look like? Oh, man, do you think she's going to do this? Oh, what are we going to name them? Limitless possibilities. Man, you should get excited. A lot of people get discouraged on the faith. You should be getting excited. You know why? Because you can feed that faith journey with limitless possibilities. All kinds of stuff can happen in your heart. Amen? Amen. So he says here, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And thrill, excitement, joy is a good indicator that you are in faith. How do we know that? First John, First Peter 1 verse 8. Let's go to First Peter 1 verse 8. And then we'll go to Second Kings chapter number 6 and we'll close. Amen. First Peter 1 verse 8. It says, whom having not seen... <clears throat> Let's read it in the King James Bible, please. He says, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, what do you do? You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The, the, The expression of true Bible faith is unspeakable joy. Full of glory. Amen. It is not, oh, you know, but, yeah, we are believing God. Yeah, we are believing. <laughs> no, that's not faith. Faith is, man, I'm excited. We are believing God. I'm even going to change my name from Abraham to Abraham because I'm so excited. I'm getting a thrill from what God is about to do. Jesus was excited. He was never discouraged about the 5,000. He was, he was thinking, man, this is about to be another awesome day. You know why? Because faith expresses itself in joy unspeakable, full of glory. Amen? When everyone else doesn't see that you're pregnant and you are the only one who knows it, man, you are excited. They get excited just just seeing the two ticks. Is it two or one? I don't know, one or the other. You know, they, they get excited just seeing that confirmation that says, oh, wait a minute. I'm pregnant. But when you look at them on the outside, they don't even look pregnant. Everyone else is not as excited as them, you know, because they know it. They know in their know. They can feel the changes in their body. They can feel things coming together. They know they're pregnant. Everyone else doesn't see it. Everyone else only catches up at about six months, seven months. Oh, she's pregnant. Wow, so excited. (laughs) Six months late. Amen. But guess what? The person who knows that they are pregnant with something, with a vision, get the most excited. Man, when God gives you a vision, it's almost weird because everyone else around you doesn't see it the way you see it. And you are the only one who's dancing. You are the only one excited. But guess what? In about six months, they will all catch up. Because there will be some signs and God will start putting it together. Amen? Let's go now to 2 Kings chapter number 6. We're going to read from verse 8 to 18. We have about 30 seconds to do this. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. (coughs) In the New King James Bible, please. And he consulted with his servants saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the men of God sent to the king of Israel 
saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down here. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there. Not just once or twice, probably three or four times. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, who's the snitch here? Who's the snitch? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak, even in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. He may look like I'm surrounded. Remember the song we sing? And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? That's not how he said it. He said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Today we are going to die. You know why? Because he's standing there. And the Syrian army is surrounding them with horses and chariots, with the best ammunition of the day that's coming against the prophet of God. Now, the prophet prays a crazy prayer. It's ridiculous to say the least. Watch what he said. Elisha prayed. Uh, what verse am I on? So he answered and gave him a faith uh, a statement. Watch, watch, watch. Watch what this faith statement says. It says, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Did you read that? So the servant came back. He said, master, we have thousands upon thousands of soldiers that are surrounding us. They've come to capture us. Sleeping in our tent. We are in trouble. Elijah got out with his servant. He said, don't fear. For they that are with us are more than they that are with them. Now let's do the counting. If I was the servant. One. Two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred, one thousand, two thousand, three thousand. What are you talking about? This is a classic case of looking It's what real in the spiritual realm and not what's real to your five senses. He was not talking about physical, natural help. He was talking about what's already settled in the spiritual realm. I believe he had already read Psalm 91 before it was written. God has given us angels upon angels to carry us lest we dash our feet against the stone. He already knew that angels are a reality to work on his behalf. He already knew that angels are the uh, uh, called to serve those who are the heirs in the kingdom of God. And he was an heir in the kingdom of God. Though he could not see them with his physical eyes, he knew that it was a real reality, greater than the physical reality that he was confronted with. When you are surrounded, 
What reality do you go with? The reality of the soldiers? The reality of the enormity of the problem? Or the reality of the enormity of the solution? Because the solution is enormous. He said, I'm praying. And this prayer is audacious. Audacious. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. Question, was the servant blind? He was not blind. He just didn't use his real set of eyes. Remember Jesus said they have eyes but they don't see. Because it's not what you're looking at that matters. It's what you see with your spiritual eyes. He said, Lord, I pray that you may open his eyes to see the reality. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Man, I can guarantee you this changed his energy. See, when you start seeing in the spiritual realm, he moved from, I would like to believe, I'm adding my own stuff, but I would like to believe this changed his energy. When you, listen, when you see in the spiritual realm, you will switch from, alas, my master, we're going to die too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you switch, you switch unspeakable joy because you know what's about to happen. It changes your energy. Real faith is made manifest on the joy. It is made manifest on the praise, on the excitement. I would like to believe he got excited at this. He said, man, look at all these chariots. Look at all this help. And guess what? He started talking. (laughs) Elisha said, strike these people. I pray with blindness. So the angels went, just closing their eyes. All of them were blind. And they led them into the city. And now the young man is excited. And he starts saying, can we kill them? And Elisha said, no. Don't kill them. Let's feed them. So they fed them. And when they finished eating, he said, now can we kill them? Go and read it. And Elisha said, no. Don't kill them. Let's send them back with a good report. And Elisha told them to go and tell their king that go and tell them that Elisha serves the real God and don't mess with him. And that's how you can send sickness back. Go wherever you came from and don't ever come back because we serve the real God. That's how you can send poverty back. That's how you can receive your provision by seeing what's real in the spiritual realm. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. And this faith is available for you. We're going to show you next week how you already have this faith. You don't have a faith problem. You just need to start using what you already have. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.